This is food. This is beans. <laughs> So, Adrian, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, we mm-hmm. watched it, we reviewed it on episode 106 of Split Focus Film and TV Podcast. We did, we, we did. did. it in a way that, yeah, but we did it in a way that was kind of spoiler-less. There was no spoilers in it. This mm-hmm. is our spoiler-full review of that mm-hmm. same movie. I know you didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I liked the movie. But yeah. uh, let's get into it, I guess. Again, spoilers are happening. So, audience yep. members, if you aren't... You know, if you haven't watched the movie yet, you should probably go watch the movie first before you watch the spoiler review. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to tell you what to do, but just saying. Yeah. Yeah, so let's just get into it. I'm going to do a quick synopsis here, and then we'll just get into what we thought of the movie and dive into the little nitty-gritty spoilers that we wanted to talk about. Sounds good to me, man. The movie is basic in concept. Ant-Man and the gang. So you got Ant-Man, Hope Van Dyne, Hank Pym, and uh, Janet Van Dyne. They get sucked in. Oh. And sorry, and Cass- Cassie. Yeah. Yes, Ant-Man's daughter. They get sucked into the quantum realm with this faulty technology because they're trying to send a signal down there. So they get sucked in and then they find out the quantum realm is a huge civilization run by King the Conqueror who has taken over that mm-hmm. whole quantum realm and has basically oppressed all the people who live there. And so they're not having a good time. But it turns out that Janet had more of a play in this situation down there than we had thought. She actually helped Kang kind of come to power, but then escaped. And then basically the whole movie is them trying to keep Kang the Conqueror down in the quantum realm because he was exiled there by his variants across the multiverse. Mm -hmm. That's basically the idea. So as opposed to it being a traditional heist movie, like the first two movies were, it's basically Ant-Man and the gang not doing a heist, but trying to do a reverse heist, trying Mm -hmm. to keep Kang in the quantum realm. By the end of the movie... King the Conqueror is pretty powerful, but he gets defeated by uh, a thousand-year-old ants. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the ants take him down, and that's kind of the only way they can they can overrun him is because they literally overrun him with like thousands of giant ants, <laughs> which is fair. So it's a very weird, quirky idea. Way, but he doesn't quite get defeated. He comes back, beats up Paul Rudd a little bit to you know show how powerful he really is, and then it turns out they go back home. And they make it finally, and Kang the Conqueror gets sucked into his own machine, and he's in bad shape, or he's in good shape. We have no idea where he is. And then there's, of course, a mid credit scene where they show all the variants mm. of Kang coming together in some kind of weird stadium, and they're like, I guess, having a Kang meeting, yeah. uh, which is weird. And that's the scene I didn't love that much. And then we got the end credit scene where they show Kang with Owen Wilson's character and Loki at some kind of a weird theater event in the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, Owen Wilson's character from Loki and Loki from Loki are watching him basically perform on stage. Yeah, it's just a tease so for uh, the second season of Loki, essentially. Right. Yeah. That pretty much sums up the movie in its entirety, I think, mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, and now we can go into the spoilery aspects that we didn't, again, talk about on 106. Yeah. What did you think of this movie, Adrian, for the audience that maybe didn't listen to episode 106 of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast? Yeah, for sure. So like I said uh, in that episode, I feel like this movie is cut up a great deal. I almost feel like there was uh, some sort of like meddling, a bunch of editing and post. Uh, the metaphor I use is that I feel like Peyton Reed, who's the director of the film, created a really nice sandwich, you know, some nice pieces of bread, some nice, you know, condiments, some vegetables, some some salamis, you know, and then uh, yes. someone walked over to that right. sandwich, opened it up, threw a bunch of that shit on the ground and then put the sandwich back together and made something that's just not as good as it really could have been uh, made it into 
what I would argue is almost a bad sandwich as opposed to a really Ooh. great sandwich. You know what I mean? Um, a one and a half out of five sandwich. A one and a half out say. of five sandwich. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like, just think about it. You go to Jersey Mike's, Simon, you get a nice sandwich. And then just before they hand it to you, they grab it. They open the sandwich and they just wipe off a bunch of that shit. That would be a 1.5 right. out of five sandwich. I would, I would argue. <laughs> it's true. I don't think that that's what this movie is, but yeah. alas, we have differing opinions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because I think where this movie suffers the most, and I, and I think you actually agree with this, is that I feel like it's a little bit too short and there's a lot of characters that were introduced that were severely underdeveloped. Uh, you know, the cast of characters that were introduced when like Scott and Cassie get to the quantum realm, I feel like they clearly had a larger role to play in like the larger movie, but they seemed to almost be cut out of the film all like the middle part of the film and only really be there at the start and at the end there's even like a portion where there's this you know badass warrior woman who you presume to be badass um and at the end of the movie cassie calls that warrior woman by her name and they never say that warrior woman's name there's no like portion where you're Cassie sure and her, i'm i'm like 99 sure like I, I what about the psychic guy he has a name. I know that. Did he not call her by her name at one point? I don't know. Maybe. But it, it feels like it, it was very – like if it was, it was just very quick and I don't recall that ever happening. Um, I think – Yeah, they throw you into it. They're, they're, the, I, I, I didn't make the analogy here. I think I made it on episode 106. Well, I definitely didn't make it here. Mm. But uh, the it's like Star Wars in a way. Yeah. Like Star Wars and New Hope, they kind of just throw you into the world and they kind of expect you to know – some stuff like a little bit, you know, or they don't expect you to know it, but they're throwing you in and making you witness it is yeah. kind of the way I feel like this movie kind of played off. It's also more like star Wars in that there's literally a, you know, Darth Vader type character who's running mm -hmm. this empire. <laughs> so there's that too, but yeah, super powerful dude. Who's running his crazy, you know, dictatorship. Yeah. Which is <laughs> just kind of happening. But uh, again, I think the issue with this is that I just don't really have any attachment to any of these characters. And even when like, you know, these characters were in danger or they killed off one of them, I just, I couldn't really care less. Cause it's just, I don't know anything about these guys. I don't even know their name. I think what, what's the guy, the actor that plays, um, the Jackson William Harper or something like that. Am I making that up? The guy he's in yeah, like the I good places, right? Yeah. 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 He's uh, cheating. And, yeah, and he has like the weird forehead thing that apparently he can read minds. But again, it's like an underutilized character. And although I think Kang was... It's not, there's so many characters, though. It's just they're all there. They're part of the resistance, you know? Like, I agree with you. They could have given so much more mm -hmm. room to like explaining the context of the quantum realm. Like, how did these people even get here? Were they born there? I don't understand. Does evolution make them kind of live there we don't have yeah. that kind of context i agree with you there like there is missing 20 to 30 minutes of potential flashbacks or something to give us more context about who these people are or how do they even live there what do they eat like i, I don't i want to know that type of thing to make yeah. it feel a bit more real for me but again it's it's that's a crucial it's, it's less crucial than it is something that i would have thought would have made the movie a lot better so the movie's not bad because it's missing that it's just not as good. Like, who is Bill Murray's character? Like, come yeah, on. We need more context on what what was his how was he a rebel before? Because he's clearly a bad guy now. Yeah. He kind of got defeated really quickly. Like that kind of thing. I feel like we just they're, they're missing I don't know. 
maybe they are maybe they're missing the condiments i don't know if they're missing i think they got the meat and the cheese but they're missing the, the you know the the, the mayo. condiments the, the mayo is missing they're, they're yeah, missing the, the mayonnaise the dijon mustard yeah yeah the, the tomatoes with salt you know all these yeah i agree Again, they they needed to do more, or not needed to, but I would have wanted them to do more to really flesh out the world, and that would have made the movie so much better. And they seemed to just you know chop out twenty minutes, but that didn't make the movie bad on my my side of things and my perspective. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's fair, man. Yeah, I just I just felt like there was just so much missing, and I it, it frustrated me. I wanted there to be more. I wanted. I wanted there to be more explanation and more background. And again, I think where it really comes down to it is during the scenes as well with, um, so like Janet refuses to tell her, you know, hope and Hank what's going on, even though she has like plenty of opportunities to that. I like to be like, Hey, like we're in, we're in like significant danger. There's a bad bloke here. I'll fill you in when we get it at second, but I should at least tell you this little bit of information that we are in danger. Something is out to kill us. And, you know, we need to get the fuck out of here. But it's she's kind of missing that. She's just like, we just need to leave. I'm not going to tell you anything. And her daughter is getting frustrated at her about this because yeah. me as the viewer, I was getting frustrated. I'm just like, just fucking tell them already. Just give that little bit of information because this this is you're in the thick of it. You're not keeping them safe. You're not you're not putting them in a position that they are more likely to escape. You're actually making it more difficult for them to get out they don't know what they're up against they're just kind of going in blind and then you know they go they're like okay hide from these weird guard things all that sort of stuff and then they go to the bar or whatever and then they meet bill murray's character and then bill murray is like oh you don't even know what your mom's about um you know she's lying to you and although hope is literally telling her like her saying to her mom like why aren't you telling us stuff like you're lying to me she immediately is like Bill Murray, you're lying. You're lying to me about this, even though it's I. It's because I again, she's you. defending her mother. She's defending her mom, right? That's yeah, the yeah. that's the reason she's doing that is because she she may argue with her mom, but she's not going to do that in public. She's not going to air the dirty laundry. That's the idea. She's going to yeah. trust her mom more than a random guy who seems like a bit of a sleazeball. So that's kind of the reasoning there. Yeah, and I think that someone that could be I her think, stepfather, arguably, because they definitely maybe. banged. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Janet, though, I really do feel like, although she is a frustrating character to watch, she's doing this at a, at a place of protecting herself more than her family. She feels very guilty about the fact that she left the quantum realm in the state that she she did. Mm. And she's embarrassed by it to a point where she almost feels like she's not a good person. And that's that's the vibe I got for the reasoning for mm. why she didn't tell them in time. It is frustrating to watch. Like, what are you doing? Just tell yeah. them. And at the same time, there was not that many moments in which you can spend like 20 to 30 minutes trying to defend yourself and as to why you made the decisions that you made. So I'm wondering if maybe that's the, again, that seems to be the reasoning that I have. I don't know. I, I don't really care that much. That, that didn't bother yeah. me because she did tell them when it eventually, like if she didn't tell them in the ship when she told them, I would have been like, nah, that's garbage. But she told them at a, a point where I'm like, I believe it. She had to tell them at this point. She put them in danger. She realized her mistake. She's got to own up. That yeah. was the idea. I'm okay with it. It was fine. It's, it's okay. It's it's annoying. She, she she becomes off a little a little bit annoying because of that. Very much so. It's fine for me. Yeah. yeah it's fine like, for me though. Because again, yeah, it's not enough. a it's not a flaw of the story. It's a flaw of the character, and that I I, I can't fault the movie for that. If that makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. For me, I I've, 
I find the flaws in, in, in the movie because of it, this character's choices and motivation. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And I get your argument where she's, you know, like she's maybe upset about what she's done and she's worried that she might be a bad person. But you're in a situation where your kid and your husband can die. I think you can swallow your pride there and keep your family safe and just be like, hey, this is what's going on. But yeah, like, again, even on the ship, when they are on the ship, it's literally hope like nagging at her mom. Like you have to freaking tell us. And Janet's just like giving them the silent treatment. And I was sitting there just frustrated. I'm like, just fucking tell them, dude, like you need to. And then she kind of goes into the conversation where she, she does tell them, she tells them everything. And I feel like this is where the uh, show don't tell should have come into play. But I feel like it was a lot of tell. They showed a flashback. They did, but it wasn't that, in depth i feel like what they should have done is create a longer that was it flashback. there was no telling there was no explanation it was just a flashback so no, she literally was, she, showing no she was she was telling them about it there was multiple scenes where she's just talking and i guess like there she's also kind of narrating over those flashback scenes and i feel like the flashbacks should have been extended yeah. it should have been more because it what they needed to do is they should have showed the relationship almost this friendship between janet and king that has built over however many years because I don't know what the time frame is. It's kind of confusing. And also, they should have showed them interacting with all the other quantum people to, again, give more depth to these characters that we know very little about that are essentially yeah. tertiary characters. So when they're like, oh, you know, like this is what she did, it to me with that flashback, it seemed like that Janet and Kang were secluded from the civilization. They didn't interact with anyone, they were there by the ship the entire time. And then they fixed the ship and then she dipped out. It doesn't. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. It's, it seemed like there was a part missing for sure. Very much Here's so. what I'll say for the show, not tell thing. Most of this movie is show. It's action, 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 action. It's nonstop. It's consistent all the time, all the time. It barely stops telling in that moment, in those moments of voiceover over a flashback, I think worked very well on a pacing perspective. I don't know that. I just, again, I, I disagreed with you on the podcast, mm. like 106. Yeah. I disagree with you here. The show not tell thing, I disagree completely. Did they miss out on context? Did they not have enough uh, information? Could she have told more? Yes. She could have gone into more. She could have had more detail. There could have been better flashbacks, more mm. context on the quantum realm, as I said before. I don't think it's a it's an issue of too much exposition. That exposition is not what this this movie didn't have enough talking. There's there's not enough moments of calm. It's too quick. I wanted something like Age of Ultron, that cabin scene. Mm-hmm, That's what yeah. I wanted. There's that moment of calm. It's like ten, I think a ten minute to twenty minute, probably ten minutes portion of uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, where all the Avengers go to that cabin and they're kind of just it's like a calm before the storm. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, I, I wanted something like that. I don't think we got enough of that in this movie. And that, I mean, that has nothing to do with show and tell. I, I, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I, I Again, I still maintain my disagreement on the show not tell argument yeah, you had on episode 106. But Yeah, fair enough, brother. But yeah, I just, I just wanted them to show more. And I think, again, you just have to kind of fill in the blanks, which, is, which to me was a little bit... Um, frustrating and annoying because you could have added an extra half hour to this movie like without any issue you made a fucking three and a half hour long movie with avatar 2 you know what i mean like just just take four 45 minutes out of that movie and add it to this ant-man movie and then we would have had probably two significantly better movies realistically um so that was a little bit frustrating um on, on the topic of king i guess i i feel like killing him off at the end of this movie i i assume he was killed off originally you know uh, Hope Van Dyne, 
you know, jumps back into the quantum realm when everyone's like trying to leave. And then King is, you know, trying to get out. And Paul Rudd's Ant-Man is like, no, you can't go. I'm going to stay here and die as opposed to let you destroy my earth. And then eventually hope comes back and then they kick him into this weird, like one of his technology pieces. And, it, and he like goes into a portal thing that when that happened, I was like, Oh, maybe he's alive. Maybe he's going to come out some point in the future or whatever. But then they do the after credit scene where it's all of them hanging out, all the other Kangs. And they're like, Oh, they killed him. I was like, what this guy literally just said that he killed trillions of people like they say that he killed trillions of people he stopped countless revolutions and somehow he lost this one to a bunch of ants why how how are thousands of ants that are thousands of years old that are giant yeah but then what i think thanos would have been beaten by the ants like he he wasn't killed i think so but i I think so i for me unless he had the glove like if he had the infinity gauntlet no but neither did Kang didn't have the Infinity Gauntlet. We don't know what Kang can do even at this point. And he's like, he was just overwhelmed because it was surprising. The, the movie does, what it does the best is it's, it's it's move into comedy. It's move into the weird and the strange, like Rick and Morty vibe type comedy. Yeah, like, like with Modoc in particular. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it makes Ant-Man kind of quirky. Paul Rudd's a comic relief character. That's his job in this particular world sorry ant-man is a comic relief character Mm -hmm. in this particular marvel cinematic universe and that's what he brings to this and so they're quirky like love of ants like hank pym's love of ants michael douglas was great in this by the way i found that his moments to shine he shone and so so was michelle pfeiffer as janet too but i know you're frustrated with her character Mm -hmm. but when hank pym brings brings these like ants from that crazy civilization. It's like a thousand year old ants. Like what's going on? Like it's a thousand, not a thousand year old ants, but the thousand year old civilization of ants mm-hmm. come in with their army to defeat him. He's probably like, what the shit is happening? And then his tech gets all messed up. That's the only way he lost. He would yeah. have won theoretically. He was winning that fight. It's, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just, it, it, it goes, it moves a lot into the weird. And that's what makes this movie good is that, yeah. And, and I know on, on episode 106, you said that Avatar was a better movie. Avatar The Way of Water was yeah, a better movie I, I, than I this. Yeah, I still stand by that. Right. My argument is it's not a better movie because of the fact that that movie takes itself so seriously and it believes that its plot is the shit. It seems like it does anyway. Mm-hmm. The visuals are fantastic in Avatar The Way They're of beautiful. Water. But the, the plot is yeah, like it's the, another Let's rehash. just say the 3D and like going into this movie's 3D versus Avatar's 3D, it's a night and day difference. Like, it, Well, it's it, not. That's not what it's going for. Yeah. I would have watched it not in 3D if I could have. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that's not a knock on the movie for sure. But uh, for me, because I just don't care about 3D at all. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's kind of what I was saying though about Avatar is that it takes itself too seriously. It's not a comedy. This movie is supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be lighthearted and entertainment. It's supposed to kind of make you laugh. That's the idea. And then it's got the serious Jonathan Majors who does an amazing performance, by he the does, way. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where I think the movie's good. It's the blend of comedy and drama. Um, but I agree in terms of the credits. Like I, I think that the end credit scene... He got defeated, which I thought he was just defeated temporarily. It was an accident. He got yeah. pushed into his own technology, right? Yeah. But then that, that mid credit scene was showing all these kings at this conference, and they made it sound like he was gone forever, and I'm not understanding why. Yeah, they made it sound why... like he died, and that he was like, there, there was a reason he was exiled. The uh, All the other kings feared him. Like, why establish this villain only to kill him off? Yeah. Fairly easily, and then have these a bunch of these other kings that are like, oh, I'm terrified of him. Like they all could have killed him, 
But if if they were worried about killing this version of Kang, but a thousand ants could fucking beat him up, it's just it makes me not. But he really... didn't lose to the ants; he got distracted, right? Yeah, fair enough. But it, it for me, it's just it makes the threat of all these additional Kangs way less. I guess like intense like i don't know it's it's way less fearful i think what they did with thanos like kind of teasing him multiple times like the first time at the end of avengers where it's just like fine i'll do it myself and he grabs the infinity gauntlet and you're like oh shit who the fuck's this guy you know what i mean like you have like this slower burn and you're introducing this like big bad who ends up being a fucking awesome villain you know in the later movies with this you know we were introduced to a version of kang in like a different show and then we're introduced to this Kang, but you've killed off the two established Kangs that we've had. And then now you're showing like hundreds or thousands of other Kangs that I have no idea who these guys right. are. I have no idea what they're about. Yeah. I don't know if they're, if they were afraid of this one guy, like why are these guys the threat? And it, I think that's kind of a lack of a foresight in this film. I don't know why you have to create such awesome, compelling villains only to kill them off. I think Marvel's had yeah. this issue for a while, I think starting specifically. I mean, with Thanos. Black Panther, to be fair, the Thanos in Endgame is a variant. That is true. That is true. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah, because they fucking chop off his head, which was badass as shit. But yeah, like it, it, I don't know. Like you, st he still won at the end of Infinity War, though. You know what I mean? There, there still is all that playing out. I don't know. Yeah, well, from the yeah from the beginning of that saga, since I guess Iron Man won until Infinity War, it's the same guy. Yeah, but. Yeah, like I agree with you. Again, the mid-credits scene is to me the made the movie worse for me. I just don't understand why you have to introduce all these characters at the end of every end credit scene. Like they keep doing this with Shirley Theron, with like Harry Styles. They keep introducing these characters, these these actors to be characters at the end of these various Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and they just don't seem to tie up the loose ends. And I thought that King the Conqueror was the big bad villain. Like he's yeah. the variant that we're supposed to be worried about. Exactly. And yet they were introducing these other versions. It's like, I don't think you need to, like don't introduce the other versions here. Inver introduce them somewhere else so I don't have more questions than I have answers. Because I have way more questions now. Because the Ant-Man, the way it ends, the way this movie ends, Ant-Man, like Scott Lang is narrating, right? And mm -hmm. he's talking about how he's unsure whether he defeated King the Conqueror. It's like, and I now don't know whether he defeated him in a way that's, I don't know, almost worse. It was, it was, it was an untethered, like it was, it was a loose end at the end of the movie. Yeah. But then they did the mid credit scene. It's like, oh, you actually have infinite number of these badass humans that exist or mm -hmm. whatever, very, whatever they are, badass people that exist in the universes, in the multiverse that can now wreak havoc or are they not bad i don't know but i don't want it any more loose ends it's too much yeah it's, it's too it's much clear just yeah. make i would have preferred kang was just alive they escaped mm -hmm. they just see him at the end of the movie the end credit scene was he he escaped the ants easily and they escaped the quantum realm to go back to earth the regular earth yeah and then he's just alive stuck down there mm-hmm you know, shaking his fist like, no, don't why do I ought to get cheesy. back to you. I would yeah. have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. He, he would have said out loud. Exactly. <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> but yeah, that's again, this med credit scene. And then got to stop doing this. The land credit scene with uh, Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, and the tease for Jonathan Loki. Majors. Yeah. 
that's a great teaser because what it's doing is it's pulling in concepts that we know before and using concepts that we know are going into Loki season two. Mm-hmm. And that's a teaser that I'm looking forward to. Me too. This mid credit scene is like, I don't understand. Did we just watch the villain we're going to be watching for the rest of phase five and six in Kang the Conqueror? Or did we, are we watching is somehow a thousand people, the villain? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, more than that. I don't know how many of these Kangs are go to this conference. I don't know. So I I, I don't like the, the mid credit conference. Scene. The Kang conference. The Kang conference. <laughs> they yeah, spell conference with a K as well. Yeah, the yeah. Kang. The Kang, the conferencer. That's the leader of the <laughs> yeah, conference. Exactly. He's the he's the MC. Yeah. Um. It's but just yeah, a I don't know. I, yeah, that's a that yeah. that I agree with. Yeah, like mm-hmm. we, it's funny we agree on a lot of what we believe to be not great about this movie, mm-hmm. but. The, our scores are wildly not not matched yeah, up. Yeah, I, I think I, I weigh just things differently. <laughs> like we, we, I think we agree on a lot of this movie. Actually, it's kind of funny, but it's just I weighed the importance of these things a little bit differently than you. Um, right, so it's kind of interesting because yeah, like again, I think we can also both agree the green screen slash CGI slash the the thing that they use in the Mandalorian it looked off at times. I think I, I feel like there were points where people didn't really know like where they were it's it's tough to act i imagine in front of just green you know and i still think well, there was a green. lot of the mandalorian screen that's the point of that screen oh, yeah, fair point. But yeah, which I... one did they use <laughs> do you know i have no clue i thought this was one of the okay. first movies where they did use those like projection screen things or whatever but it's still just the reason they do that is for the context for the actors it's for them to know spatially where they are in the scene i think that's the point of that which which i find is odd because i feel like there was very little spatial awareness i feel i feel like it was harder to know where characters were standing in the context of where another character was standing and how they where they were looking it just seemed uh, not well put together in my personal opinion and i i almost argue maybe that's because they cut out a lot of in between moments between these characters uh i don't know but yeah i, I wasn't yeah, really a like, fan of that there's still some great performances though despite you know <laughs> you know that the heaviness of the cgi and green screen possibly yeah. pro- projection screen usage you know that that's my not... cg criticism is more it just doesn't look real enough with the context of like what do they eat and where do they live where yeah. do they like where this where does this population like actually how do they have lead proper lives Mm -hmm. that's my issue with it It, in combined in conjunction with the cg i think if the cg was the same as it was and they put more contextual scenes i would have preferred the movie more like i would have liked it more but um yeah i I, again yeah I, i still recommend this movie it's funny if you look at the rotten tomatoes score and you look at the reviews on rotten tomatoes like the hundreds of reviews from professional critics a lot of them are just kind of superhero fatigued. They're like, yeah. why does this movie exist? Like, why do we have this? Like, what's the point? Like, it, it's a lot of that, honestly. Some of them mention the CG too. Uh, but it's a lot of that, which I find interesting because I think they're just looking for No Way Home kind of surprises. They yeah. want to have an end game at level event every single time now. Even, honestly, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, it should be reviewed better than Black Panther, like the first Black Panther. I agree. But Chadwick Boseman is... Is, is a star i love chadwick boseman and mm-hmm. that he was a missing piece of that movie but they made the fact that he was missing from black panther wakanda forever 
like the centerpiece of the movie. It revolved around that in a way, and it did it in such a competent, amazing way. It did a great job. It's a better movie, again, than the first one. The first one's like a 90-something percent of Rotten Tomatoes. It's it was really a fucking Oscar-nominated Best Picture movie for whatever reason, right. man. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And so that's the crazy thing is that now with this part, this late stage of Marvel Cinematic Universe, like they just expect – like crazy stuff like when, when i watched eternals and i left the theater i was like how is this a 50 whatever it was at the time 50 percent of Rotten Tomatoes now as well I think it was but i think we were when we went to it it was like 52 or oh, something yeah. like that yeah i, I was like eternals. what is yeah it was good it was fine it wasn't amazing it's not the my favorite yeah Marvel it's, it's cinematic like universe film it's middle of the pack right and neither is this one but I still like it, and I'm not expecting it to be a No Way Home. I expected it to be a comedy that would make me laugh, and it did. It made me laugh out loud. Like the, the weird, yeah. gooey red guy it was hilarious. Like uh, freaking Modoc. Modoc was unexpected. Awesome. I also like. I, I didn't see that coming. That it was going to be that gentleman. Like it was. Uh, it was Darren. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how they keep calling him Darren. Darren. And the moment where he doesn't call him, he calls him Darren. Doesn't call him Modoc, and he doesn't answer. Come yeah. on, it's great. There were it's again, just supposed to be. Uh, there were some funny romp, moments, that- but I, and I think that's what this movie def- definitively did better than Thor: Love and Thunder is that they it knew when to use comedy as like you know to, yeah. to to keep people attached to the screen. And again, I think this movie was quite funny. I think there were moments that were really funny and i think modok was definitely the 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 like for me the funniest moments because the cg is so bad but it adds to like this absurdity and again when he's like dying at the end of the movie being like you know scott i always thought of you as a brother and it's like what and even just like yeah. at least i die an avenger you know like things like that i thought it was hilarious you know th- that was really well yeah. done but again i think yeah everything else really dragged it down for me i w- i wanted to like this movie because when I I didn't look at any reviews, I actually haven't read any reviews of this movie um, other than yours that you spoke out to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I when I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, I was like, well, you know, like you know, maybe people are just bitter. Like I I still really liked Eternals, and that was rated poorly. So I went in expecting that if I don't like this, it's because of the Thor Love and Thunder thing, where it's comedy, comedy, comedy can't take itself seriously, you know. And that wasn't the issue for me. It was just missing context it was missing a half hour piece of where you could make this in my personal opinion bad movie into something genuinely great i think i think that played a large factor in me you know rating it so poorly yeah that's fair okay well my review uh score stays the same adrian i'm a three and a half out of five on this one yeah uh, mine's staying the same as well 1.5 out of five brother so we land at a 5 out of 10 mm-hmm. for MN of the Wasp, Quantumania. I yeah. thank you for joining me, Adrian, uh, for this A Closer Look. I thank you for thank letting you me audience join you. for joining us. Sorry? I thank you for letting me join you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, an audience, thank you for joining us. See you on the next one. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye.